Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Today we are taking a special quick trip in the TARDIS. Today it's Who Classic. Today's episode, Doctor Who, the TV movie. <laughs> this is uh, the only version that was um, Paul McGann's appearance and three of us have watched it. Let's introduce those three. Hi, I'm Eugene. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Frank. And then the other three who are we are going to like in in, in indoctrinate? indoctrinate. Yeah, indoctrinate into this oh, TV oh, movie. That's what you did there. <laughs> Josh. I'm Josh. Kelsey. Hi, I'm Kelsey. Alburn. Hi, I'm Alburn. So they don't know what they're getting into. So I've heard what we're getting into. I'm sorry. What's the name of this movie? Doctor Who. The movie? No. no, no. Just Doctor Doctor oh, it's just Who. Doctor Who. Oh, okay. I thought the title was Doctor Who, the movie. And no. I was like, really? That's no, no, no. the name of it? But the name is just Doctor Who. Is this the first Doctor Who movie? No. Why is it called Doctor what, Who? What, what other movie, movie was there? The, the ones with... There's, there's the Peter Cushing movie. Peter Cushing, that's, that's it. Right. Peter yeah, Cushing so, movies. But those are like Doctor Who and the Daleks. Doc, I think it's Doctor Who, Dalek Invasion 2150 or yeah. something like that. Two movies that are... Not considered canon. They came out in the 60s, 60s uh, concurrently when the show was on, and they're very different. Completely different take. Isn't he a human scientist? Yes. Yeah, he's human, and yeah. So not part human. of the whole... Human, <laughs> really? Uh, like the doctor has anything to do with being human. So all your questions, Kelsey, will be answered and not answered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. So we, all right. just, we just thought it might be fun to do this little uh, preview before you guys see the movie so uh, we're still innocent yes <laughs> you still don't know what you've gotten yourself into so let's roll that beautiful bean footage and we're back <laughs> Yay. before we get into the episode or the movie i'll give you some statistics the show doctor who at the time was in decline and the last episode that was broadcast was the serial Survival Part 3, ending the 26-year run on the 6th of December, 1989. With it, the seventh Doctor and his companion, Ace. Yes. Um, who was a good companion. Is that a guy? No, Ace Female. was a girl. Oh. She okay. goes after a Dalek with a baseball bat. It's awesome. Was she the punk? Yes. Blocker? Okay, yes. I think the I anarchist. remember seeing something. She's an anarchist, yes. Okay. When when that last episode aired, there was no indication given to the audience that this would be the final regular installment of Doctor Who because uh, previous seasons had ended. There would be an announcement at the closing credits saying that the program would return the following year. But this did not stop Doctor Who from continuing. It was comic books, novels, and other things that just kept going, just not TV. Uh, the, the BBC wanted to end the show some time ago and... A movie was already in the works. At one point, Steven Spielberg and Amblin Entertainment were involved. Uh, Liam, Liam Cunningham was, or they were showing some interest in him, and he's uh, Sir Davos from Game of Thrones. Oh. oh. <laughs> but it wasn't one, just one movie. There were a couple different couple movies, yes. movies in production all over from BBC to some other production American area. They had, and... Each one had people tied to it or said they were tied to it. And Which is interesting because when the show went off the air with the seventh Doctor, the BBC just wanted it to die. Just they had no do interest it. in it anymore. They thought it was an hmm. embarrassment. They thought its time had passed and they just wanted it gone. And this was the 90s. So we were in deep with Next Generation, Star Trek, Next Generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And at this time, the X Files was in its third season, and you know, ruling the Friday night time slot. Was this a BBC yeah. production? They yes, had, this was a co-production co- with BBC, and it was shot here, though. Yes, or was it, was it shot, shot in Vancouver? It was shot in oh, Canada. Oh, in Vancouver, Canada. Okay. Except for the few choice locations that say it's yeah. San Francisco. This was a co-production between the BBC and Universal, Universal, and the network who shall not be named. The horrible Fox Network. <laughs> <laughs> also, the third Doctor, John Pertwee, died a few days after the U.S. broadcast. When this aired in the U.K., it had included an epitaph for him. Mm. So that was pretty cool. The TV movie was written by Mark Jacobs, directed by Jeffrey Sachs, executive produced, and basically, he spearheaded it. He brought it, the whole thing to life. Philip David Siegel, who was born in the U.S., grew up in the UK, and that's how he became a fan of Doctor Who and wanted this thing to continue. This was his passion project. This originally aired in the US on the 14th of May, 1996, but it aired first in Canada on the 12th of May, and then in the UK on the 27th of May, 1996. So we actually saw it before the United Kingdom. Which Which is is a first. Yeah. (laughs) And a last, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Eighth Doctor is played by Paul McGann, and you may remember him from Alien 3, or may not remember him from Alien 3. Who is he in Alien 3? Gallic. (laughs) That doesn't help. Who is he in Alien 3? Uh, One of the bald-headed guys. Who is he in Alien 3? The the stinky guy. Do you remember the stinky guy? Vaguely. That that they put in the straitjacket? Vaguely. Anyway. (laughs) I shouldn't even ask that question, because any answer I'm going to remember vaguely. (laughs) Except for Charles, what's his name? Dutton. Dance. (laughs) Dance. And Charles Dutton. Yeah, both. Both. Yes, that's true. Anyway. I forgot about Charles Dutton. Dr. Grace Hallowell is played by Daphne Ashbrook. I met her at Kamikaze. Mm-hmm. She's very nice. Was she there for this? Like, as a... Yeah, she was... She loves Doctor Who and Doctor Who fans. She has so much fun with it. And when you see her in interviews, she just... Oh, yeah. She glows about her. Is this the only time she was in it? Mm-hmm. Ever? Is she an American actress? Yes, mm-hmm. she is. Did she do any of the radio shows? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. I don't... Yeah, I don't think so either. Because I think they... I don't think they brought Grace back in There's an a audio with, with the rights. rights yeah. So. Uh, the Master is played by Eric Roberts, and Bruce is played by Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Chang Lee is played by Yi Ji Su. The ratings for this TV movie, well, let's go first to the US, got 5.6 million viewers, a total of 9% share of the audience. However, in the UK, it got 9 million viewers, 75% audience appreciation score. So there was definitely something here, yeah, just not in the US. It didn't work in the US, but the UK liked it. And also another reason that it might not have done so well in the US is that it was airing at the same time as a special episode of Roseanne season eight. We learned that DJ performed CPR on Dan to keep him alive and they're in the hospital. So it was a very like emotional episode. And so... First impressions from those who have not seen it. I is a was the American setting on purpose yes. to appeal to a more American yes. audience. This was used to introduce Doctor Who to the U.S. audience at large that hadn't watched Doctor Who the okay. other version, and that's why they purposely chose um, San Francisco and using like Daphne Ashbrook and Eric Roberts as American actors. Okay, and if, if this was a Fox show, I see. Because I do remember watching this. It was the Fox Tuesday night movie. And I remember watching this. And it was also, it was just a movie, but it was also a backdoor pilot. If it had done well, they would have extended it to be a series on Fox. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. It, it, 
was shot real nice like for mm-hmm. for that of the time it didn't feel like it had a low production value um first impression it was something that had the doctor <laughs> in it and it was interesting and fun yeah and i'll add to that it wasn't as bad as you guys made it out to seem <laughs> i didn't make it seem that bad. and we, I think... we were just we were just managing expectations yeah no thank you thank you i was like going in with lower expectations because exactly. then you always have room to be um surprised or happy um i think if the doctor had been terrible, then I would not have liked this movie. But the doctor, for me, was solid. And I think that's what helped me enjoy enjoy the film. Yeah, it was a solid doctor. Um, yeah, I think the only... I, I enjoyed it, I think, overall. I uh, have to admit, I might not have been awake during all of it. But... <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, after the initial... Um, well, you Ameri- didn't snore. That's good, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> after the initial the Americanisms, um, just to let us know that we were, in fact, right. in America, I think I got over that. You mean all the shooting quick, and murdering people? Yeah, <laughs> of course we had a gunfight, gang yeah. fighting, and... Gangs, uh, car chase. Some American slang thrown in there. Yeah. As, to, if. as if. As yeah. if. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Way, no way. It was right. Yes way. Yes way. Yes way. <laughs> You can see it in the actual movie, just all the different people involved trying to make it. You have to mm-hmm. freeze the studio, then you have the other BBC, you have the American mm-hmm. studio, we have what the person who started it all wanted it to be, how they had to bring everything together, and it, it a lot of it very, didn't work because they tried to force it. it mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt very constructed. Yes. There's a whole too many cooks. Well, because you have three different cultures kind of making yeah. one thing. You have BBC, UK, and then you have the American component, and then you have it being shot in Canada using, you know, casting Canadians, so... Oh, and then you yeah. have Fox, which, you know, is a whole other entity. The yeah. devil. What? Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I did... Right. Uh, uh, I, I like this doctor, but I did feel there wasn't enough of him. Like, it, 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 everything right. with him seemed rushed. Yeah. And it really didn't give us enough time to kind of, like... Get to know be him. invested yeah. in him, mm-hmm. you know, because I definitely soon, felt that too. Just, as, I was more invested in the doctor in the, that, in the beginning, mm-hmm. the, the seventh, S- S- yes, and the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy, because we just, we had some kind of quiet time with him and saw him experience something. Whereas this guy was shot out of a cannon, yeah, and um, I felt like the writing of him being confused during his regeneration and knowing about the other the episodes that I've seen in the future, it was it was like a a lesser version of that. Like it was like, yeah, it's a it shame was like, because, Hey, this is what happens when he gets all confused. It was very typical writing. I almost feel like, again, it could have been an Americanized version of people aren't going to understand what you, what's going on here. So it was almost like too, you know, on the nose. The expedition was given as exposition. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it was this a- is why I'm doing this. <laughs> this is what it is. Tartus spells this. <laughs> right. Right. And that's the fun of the BBC show is that, it throws you in and you, 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 but they do like the, every time you get a regenerated doctor, you do have the episode where he's confused. Yeah, But this wasn't written very well. That's what I no, mean. No, no, right. it's not, but it is, you know, if this had gone to a series, yeah. Because once he becomes the doctor, mm-hmm. he's very solid as a doctor. Yeah. So he could have been a very good doctor in future episodes. Oh, absolutely. And that's, it, it's kind of interesting because this is, McGann's well for the longest time his only screen appearance as the doctor but his doctor actually is one of the longest running doctors ever the eighth doctor after this uh well 
Wait. Okay, hold on. Or don't explain that. No, no, we're gonna no. we're gonna rewind a little. I'll I'll rewind a little bit and then you'll continue. Sorry. So 1996, we have the Eighth Doctor, right? Which and, is him. Yes, Paul McGann. Paul McGann. And then in 2005, we have Christopher Eccleston as the Tenth Doctor. Oh, sorry, Ninth Doctor. So there's that big gap where it's Paul McGann. That's a long time. So how did they fill that? So what they did was there were um, a lot of audio stories that Paul McGann was. Uh, working on so the company big finish makes audio stories with the doctors so he the it's, it's a series of very popular audio stories where he has companions ongoing stories different companions come and go uh, he also had not paul mcgann but the eighth doctor has a long run in comic books so when you actually look at the length of when a doctor the doctor when it, when there's a current regeneration of the doctor uh the eighth is if not the longest compared to the seventh because the seventh ends in 1989 and he goes with comic books and novel tie-ins to 1996 so he has a long run and i think paul mcgann i think the eighth doctor then overtakes him so the eighth doctor is actually the longest in physical time of a current doctor that would be nine years yeah so even though he's on screen once he actually has almost the longest continuous storyline of any of the doctor's regenerations so it's kind of interesting that way because the the audio series are very popular because again the actor is really good now we're going to get into the summary the seventh doctor is in the tardis taking the remains of his old nemesis the master back to their home planet of gallifrey the master is not quite dead yet and breaks out of <laughs> confinement in the form of a liquid slug hooray <laughs> and causes the tardis to travel to earth instead it materializes in the chinatown area of san francisco december 30th 1999 all right <laughs> What's up with the slug? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody knows. All right. So, so he's no, a slug. No hint of any sort of shape-changing master in the, in, the, in, the, in the first series or... In the classic series of Doctor Who, the master does run out of regenerations and his body decays. Mm-hmm. And there are times when he's, it's, he's like this burnt-out husk because mm-hmm. his body's decayed. Real reason why they did that is because the actor who played the master died. So they just kind of made him a burnt-out husk for a little while. And then um, I looked it up. I have not seen this episode. I saw it. But in one of the fourth Doctor's stories, the Master, they go through the whole thing fighting this burnt out husk of a Master. And right at the end of the episode, the Master uses the body of one of this planet's leaders. He actually merges with that body and takes over that body. And the interesting thing about that character... The character's name for the whole serial was uh, Tremis, which is an anagram of Master. So they were setting it all up. And that character, another interesting fact about that character, Tremis, that character had a daughter named Nyssa. And Nyssa became a companion of the Doctor and is one of the most famous companions of the fifth Doctor. Nyssa stayed around a long time. So if he's a Time Lord, like where does this power to take over someone else's body come from? Like The script. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, it it just is kind no of convenient. To... All right. Well, you know. I think you kind of hinted at it while we were watching that he was practicing the dark arts right. and <laughs> learning all of these <laughs> other ways of extending his life. Yeah, he's he's you know he's a snake slug, parcel right. tongue. You know. I thought it was interesting just because I always thought it was a slug, and then he turns into more a of a snake. snake-like character later on. But at, at the beginning. When Cheng Li you know, steps in like a little puddle, which mm-hmm. is him, it's a reflection of a snake that was a neon light oh, for the okay. restaurant. 
So it's like maybe, maybe he got, got, in, got the idea or influence from it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, it's already right from the start. There are things you just kind of have to accept, not yeah. think about too hard and go on like the Daleks on Scaro <laughs> with put, the master, put the master on trial. Cause you know, the Daleks put hold trials. Yeah. People on trial, <laughs> execute the master and then just, hi doctor, take his remains and yeah. leave. Mm-hmm. That's not, Daleks. You just kind of have to accept it and move on. If there's a good writer who wants to write that story, I'd be interested. What, you never out. heard of the Tribunal what? of Daleks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the Master did to make the Daleks have to get rid of it. Concede like, to that. So annoying. To, get him right. out of here. <laughs> or that they would just let the doctor go. Right. That too. It's There's just too many things that right. I think for a classic viewer, they were like, what? But then for the Americans, they're like, okay. At the beginning, uh, we kind of had that two planets and they kind of fade into eyes. It's a is, weird motif that... But the, is that connected at all to the original? No. Like, that the master... That's a, that's a choice. Artsy. The writer the, wants yeah. eyes to be predominant through okay. the story. Okay. So, so then Because when you first go to Earth, you're looking at a fish eye. And so, not not, some, he's not subtle in this. <laughs> you need to recognize that the master's eyes later on. Right. But that's not from classic. That's no. just this. Okay. Right. But there are lots of things in that opening sequence, like the TARDIS looks amazing. I don't know if you guys... Yeah, the console room's amazing. The interior. Oh, oh the different oh, yeah. rooms? Yeah, like yeah, you I see the... That. Yeah, you was see... Was that like that thing. in the... No? So no. what was that Doctor's TARDIS like in the show? You just have that central console and then white It's walls. a 60s look of futuristic, so oh, a lot okay. of it's white. Sterile. The, the circles even, against the wall as a pattern. Even repeat. in 1989, that last... Bit was was like mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah, he, uh, basically. He so this like yeah, he he had a he had a very plain console room. There wasn't ever any like lounge area off right. to the side of the console <laughs> or plan, um, place for plants and. <laughs> the, the fourth Doctor did have had a secondary console room, which was like an auxiliary one, and that one is the one with the it has wood paneling. Very small though. They're all very small, mm-hmm. but it had wood paneling and a stained glass windows, and you know everything's all dark wood. Um, but that's it. So this was like a big step up. Where a you're big just, set. Oh, yeah. Big, yes. big it's set. the American money yeah. they're going in. Because you can't, you, you can't um, keep a big set like that. Yeah. I bet a, you it wasn't even on a, a set. serial show. I bet you it was an actual seen. like mansion location that they got <laughs> access to. No, it was a set. It was. It a set. was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But it's almost my favorite TARDIS. It, it's very yeah, like cool. steampunk, Jules Verne looking. No, even right. medieval. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, the cloister and all of that. Is... Well, the cloister room is supposed to be tiny. And then, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then one other thing that they threw in for the fans is that the uh, seventh doctor uses the sonic screwdriver to uh, seal the mm-hmm. chest, the master, away. Sylvester McCoy did not know how to use it because his doctor never had a sonic screwdriver. Oh, so weird. it's actually being used backwards. <laughs> so I thought it was cool though when you opened the briefcase and there were like several Sonic screws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, there was a decision made earlier on, I think around the Fifth Doctor, to stop using the Sonic because they thought it was too much of a, uh, yeah, a crutch, crutch, like a crutch. A crutch. Mm. So Sylvester McCoy was, I don't know how to use a Sonic. Where Good have lesson. I heard that before? I think we bring that up at some point. <laughs> Rassilon was the one who started Time Lords. And so they have a seal of Rassilon, which is uh, stylized infinity. infinity, but it looks like an eight. It's turned right. Okay, yeah, I saw side. that. So all throughout this has the seal of Rassilon, but it looks like an eight. So it's great for this eighth doctor. Oh. I love, oh. but it's already been established as that look, but I love that okay. they used it so much. And that'll be used throughout Doctor Who, that symbol. It's everywhere. Really? Yeah. 
all right, well, I'll keep my eye out now for that. <laughs> um, some other things that the, the, the motif of clocks is similar to like Back to the Future's opening. This is the first time we get the Doctor Who theme with an orchestral arrangement. <laughs> an interesting thing is how I said the BBC just wanted the show to die. Mm-hmm. Even when they were bringing it back for this TV movie, they didn't want they didn't anything. Get... They didn't want the seventh Doctor back. So their heart wasn't in it. No. Is no. that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. But they didn't want him back so much to the point where when the producers said, look, it would be, we need him back. They said, okay, but he can't say anything. <laughs> Which is why Which is he has like two or three lines. Okay. And, get and he walks out of the TARDIS and gets shot because oh, the BBC were like, no. I thought no. that was so sad. It I was know. very sad. I know. Well, you can't do the doctor like that. <laughs> why? Because he was like an old guy and he didn't have no, like just a cover. No, no, no. I mean, like, why didn't they want him? Oh. Um, they just didn't have any faith in the show. Right. It's, it's you know, the they show. were tired of, of it being so cheap and it was almost like a joke at the time, you know, and at the same time that Doctor Who was going down, Star Trek, the next generation in the U S was gaining popularity. And so they were kind in of saying UK. it was gaining popularity. Well, both, both. both. It was, okay. it was and they were kind of looking at it going, look at what you can do on an American budget. And we have cardboard sets. Mm-hmm. And so they're just kind of like, it's time it's passed. We need so, to move on type of thing. But I'm really glad that they got Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. When the doctor steps out of the TARDIS, he is quickly shot American style multiple <laughs> times by a gang who then drives away. Chang Lee, the person they were intending to shoot and kill, goes with the doctor in the ambulance where we meet Bruce, the EMT. Lee gives the patient's name as John Smith, the master slug, also stows away in the ambulance. <laughs> I, Chang Lee refers to himself in the third person. I think that's the first clue that this is not a character that's going to be good. <laughs> he goes, Chang Lee will help you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Uh-oh. <laughs> that's not good. So they have this, you know, it's now an American production. And so there's this big shootout with all these guns. <laughs> and, you know, that that just happens in, in San Francisco. San Francisco alleyways. Just, you know, these big guns shoot out with holding your gun sideways because, you know, that's how Americans roll. Um, I think it's interesting that it's, you know, Americans shot the doctor. But <laughs> in some ways, I just kind of laugh and think that's really what the BBC controllers wanted to do to him. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little uh, ironic. <laughs> and they outsourced it. They outsourced it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Eric Roberts is good as Bruce. He was fine. As Bruce. As yeah. Bruce. Well, yeah. You know, but he was doing well. It was, yeah. you know. He's a decent actor. He's all right. He's Eric Roberts. Yeah. And as soon as he needed to be someone else, that's when Iran went off the rails. We will get there. <laughs> <laughs> the hospital doctors cannot explain the doctor's x-ray showing two hearts. His, ar- his heart rate is so erratic that they call in cardiologist Dr. Grace Holloway. The doctor wakes up while in the operating room before she sends a micro camera probe, in, micro camera probe, into his arteries to identify the problem with his heart. He tries to fight but is heavily sedated. Grace inserts the micro camera and is amazed that she gets lost on her way to the heart. The doctor convulses and dies on the operating table with a micro camera probe still inside his body. All right. Where do we start? With the opera dress? <laughs> the not checking x-rays before surgery? Or where? What? Well, the third doctor, his regeneration was similar to how what happened here, where they were looking at an x-ray and they're like, two hearts. So that's 
Yeah, but then, then I'm just saying that's a throwback. But why take an X-ray if the bullets are in his leg? Why or take an X-ray shoulder? Of the, yes, yeah, of the chest. But it went straight through his shoulder, so there's no bullet in there, and they knew that. And when this, when the doctor gets shot outside the TARDIS, two two squibs go off in his chest. You know, it goes boom, boom, right. <laughs> and it's like, wait, he shot in the shoulder, and now his legs. It's a, a little bad script writing there. They I did think, pull a bullet out at the hospital. Didn't yeah, they have yeah. one that they dropped in? From the legs, yeah. Because oh, they kept the saying that the shoulder it, one went through. Ah, oh, I see. So then why did they have to operate on his heart? Because his heart's were... It was During so the erratic. surgery, they said her the heart's being oh, very erratic. We need to call in a cardiologist because it it's fibrillating. It, wasn't. it was just two hearts beating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was regenerating. I see. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. But well, I don't think he's regenerating yet. He's not he wasn't dying. quite dead yet. He wasn't dying. You can say it better. That was the so thing. He, he wasn't dying. Grace killed him. Grace killed yes. him. The American That's what I doctor. thought. That's why I yes. felt when I was watching that. Grace. I was like, oh, man. Yes. Mm-hmm. And probably holds the record because, for the only companion to actually the kill the doctor. The, the heart. Mm-hmm. Through the hearts and yep. then getting lost and then getting snapped off. Yep. And right. he was saying, don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. He would have survived the bullets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you'd think. Yeah. Yeah. But she gets lost on the way to his heart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, because this was more of an American production, this isn't a uh, critique of the American health system opposed to the NHS, <laughs> right? Well, they were saying that because Bruce said, hope he has good insurance okay. or something yeah. along yeah. the line. You better have a lot of money. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, and the whole, if you don't fill it out, I can't look at them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, they did raise the music during the doctor's death scene. Mm-hmm. So that. Very loud. Mm-hmm. Is intended so that he would recognize the music and associate it with her, mm-hmm. which they did later on. They showed it. So they, also they really it was... played it up high. So he's like, hello, we're playing the music so he can now associate it. You remember this? Mm-hmm. He, he also <laughs> pulls off her overtly. mask, trying to tell right. her to stop. So he recognizes her face. And they said that that was Sylvester McCoy's idea on the day mm-hmm. where he, he said, I'll pull the mask off so I can recognize her later. Grace tells Lee that Mr. Smith died on the table. And realizes Lee didn't know the patient at all. He grabs the doctor's personal effects and runs out of the hospital with Grace chasing after him before he gets away. She chases him in a ball gown before the clock strikes midnight. <laughs> yeah. I also love but how he just... left a shoe behind. <laughs> yeah. Those shoes fit, fit perfectly. <laughs> You know, she yells, somebody stop him. And you see the guard come out of the door, yeah. <laughs> look not, at him, and then just keep walking across the way. <laughs> Did well, you pick that up? This is also the same hospital that they filmed a bunch of uh, X-Files episodes in. So, Oh, is it really? If you recognize it, that's why. Yeah, I recognize it. <laughs> recognize that beaker in the corner. <laughs> they wheel the doctor's body to the morgue, where we learn there will be a costume party the next night to celebrate New Year's Eve. Who does that? <laughs> That's if. (laughs) (laughs) Yes way. Locked inside a cold room awaiting an autopsy, the doctor regenerates into his eighth incarnation. He breaks out of the room and gathers clothes from an orderly's locker, which is a costume of Wild Bill Hickok. He is in a confused mental haze and roams around the hospital. I thought that was kind of cool. Like it gave an excuse for the doctor to have a doctor-esque outfit. Very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also similar to the third doctors and the eleventh doctors thing. They're in a hospital looking through clothes. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, looking yeah. through lockers. This is also the first instance where we get the um the Christ imagery. Because when he comes out of the morgue, he's draped in a cloth with mm. long hair. Mm. Shroud. Shroud, yeah. 
And then after that, he's like kneeling and he's like, who am I? Yeah. Very, <laughs> with his arms yeah, outstretched. Yeah, with his arms stretched. <laughs> the, um, the place where he is kneeling, what, where, why? We don't know. We it's don't know. I'm like, oh, is, yeah. this, is this leftover from like an earthquake that they just haven't gone around to fixing up yet? Just for those like, without insurance, go to that wing. Welcome to America. Doll, like the naked baby doll. Yeah. Like against the mirror. The oh, no, the my favorite card. is the pipe with the running water. <laughs> exactly. And it's like no one's turned that off. Okay. Yet. Yeah, it, it was after, makes no sense. It was uh, after they used the X Files uh, production. Used that part of the set and just left it. Like yeah. looks cool. Let's go there. At first, I was like, yeah, every every hospital has an uh, has an unfinished uh, wing. wing. And then as I was going, I'm like, it's not unfinished. It's destroyed. <laughs> I mean, that looked like out of Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah. When you looked at the mirrors All at the first, mirrors. there were seven yeah. images. So that means he's the oh. eighth. And then they show that there's so more multiple. So he just he's <laughs> mentally fractured. So it started there, and then they're like, "All right, why are these beams broken?" And then they built this up. Yeah, they had that moment in the script. There are so many things in this this movie. Oh, the Christ imagery. Oh, the seven mirrors, meaning the seven incarnations of the Doctor. That the director and the writers like, oh no. That we did we had no idea. It was accidental. It just happened. Right. It's like, really? I mean, I can kind of see the seven mirrors, but if somebody came along and went, wow, you put seven mirrors in there for seven incarnations, oh. you say yes. And the whole Frankenstein yeah. parallel was just accidental. That was just on the television. <laughs> there was no you know, correlation between Frankenstein coming to life and the doctor coming to life. <laughs> well, well, the reason they got that is because Universal. Ah. That's oh. why. It, yeah. It was all planned. That's the whole thing. It's, there's no subtlety. And we should say real quick that one, the orderly in the morgue was uh, Will, uh, a young Will Sasso from Mad right. TV, and that's just comedic performances. Yes, I mean he's really young in there, and you can tell he's got like that. He's got it. That baby fat. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I did like him walking around with the toe tag still on him. Yes, I, I thought that too. was a great bit. <laughs> I remember thinking that that was how Grace was going to figure out. Yeah, he was yeah. the dead body, and it wasn't yeah. as much. Better and creepier, but we haven't gotten there yet. When John Smith's body is now missing, the hospital wants to cover up that he was ever there. Grace will not go along with this and quits. On her way out, the doctor recognizes her and follows her to her car. He pulls out the microprobe wire out of his body and tells her he was the man in the operating room. The man with two hearts. He orders her to drive, stunned, she drives. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what? <laughs> also, I love the fact that the doctor is screaming, take me away from here before they kill me again. She's the one who killed you. You're going with your murderer. <laughs> again, you just got to go with it. Um, this is our first uh, Star Wars reference. She, he's yelling at Grace, you're my only hope. <laughs> <laughs> No, it doesn't make sense that she just drives. Um, but before then, when she quits, that's when you see that Grace is straightforward. She's honorable. She's, you know, you could almost say good companion material. You know, she does what's right. Mm -hmm. She wants to do what's right. She doesn't like when people do things that are wrong. So also, you kind of see there's, there could be a companion in there. She also yeah. catches on quickly. Yes. A little too quickly, even for most <laughs> companions. But... Um, we only have two outgowns. <laughs> I think Philip Siegel really liked the fourth doctor because while he's looking for clothes, you see the fourth doctor's scarf. Yes. And jelly babies are throughout the whole That's the fourth. movie. Yeah. 
There's also the fourth doctor. I mean, at the, the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, the beginning has it and runs throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and then both the doctor and Cheng Li are going through someone else's stuff at the same time, which I thought was kind of neat. <laughs> they're going back and forth, that they're both rummaging through somebody okay. else's. Mm-hmm. I just, that's something that was I thought was really good in <laughs> There's you know, a lot the show. of elements from, like, classic or, or the, the, even the new incarnation yes. of Doctor mm-hmm. Who that are in there that, that seem like this could be something. Mm-hmm. Just it was like it was like a a craft project, but someone says, "Oh, we'll put the we'll put tape on everything later," <laughs> or maybe it just wasn't the right time. Like the timing wasn't. It was very difficult to get this made. Yeah, if you look at the uh, supplementary materials, this was, oh really? Yeah, and so it's kind of like yes, this was this man's passion project because if he didn't have a passion, it, nothing would have been made. Mm-hmm. But you can see there's so many different people trying yes. to take control of there's, it. Yeah. He oh, went trying to appease to this everybody. Yeah, this yeah. was not an easy production in no. any way. <laughs> I thought it was funny that the doctor keeps repeating while he's walking around in a haze. He's seeing the clock and people are mentioning time. So time, time. Yeah, yeah. I thought somebody would be over near a dead body going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, time, oh, Lord, time, Lord, time, Lord. It just seemed like that was what this movie should do. Yeah. If they're going to go for it, they should have went for it. As we got close-ups of their eyes. <laughs> right. Was there anything also, too, that said that said why midnight was important? Like, why is why do they have until midnight? No. Or it just because it's New Year's Eve, and that's what we right. can count down to. Yeah. And it's we, the whole... It was Y2K. Right. The world was going to end anyway. Uh, there was no reason. They didn't know how long it was going to be. It just that's I, I, that's the whole part with the script. We just have to make a time. Let's right. use it. No, I get that, and I like. I think it worked well. But the fact that mm-hmm. there was no explanation to why that, mm-hmm. like, they could have even said that because that's when the virtual ver- some kind of equinox, equinox. <laughs> yeah. you know, something. The master now more snake-like than slug. <laughs> See how snake-like I can be. <laughs> <laughs> Inhabits the body of Bruce, the EMT. He realizes the human body cannot sustain him and will not last long. He kills Bruce's wife and goes to the hospital to take over the doctor's body. The master arrives at the hospital to find that the doctor's body is missing. A nurse tells him that the kid who was with him took all the doctor's things. The master leaves to track down Chang Li. The uh, Asian child. That's a movie with bad line. That's a movie with Eddie Murphy. A golden child. <laughs> um that is really Eric Roberts' wife in real life. Oh, really? Is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's so. nice. Cool. Because I thought they had, that was a good scene with some good chemistry and some acting. Good acting. <laughs> I laughed at that scene. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Of him snoring? You mean? Or? Oh, the, the, oh, the one who played the Bruce's the wife. wife is his wife. Oh, I thought you were saying the, the nurse? nurse. Oh, no. Did no, you no. say his wife? It was the wife. The, oh. the wife is the wife. All right, well, you retract what you just said then. <laughs> well, the nurse no. was actually who was having an Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go, yeah. I thought we were talking about the Asian child. The nurse scene. was good, I yeah, liked her. That was a cute scene. So, this is the first appearance of the decline of the master <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> Not only in his physical body deteriorating, but for some reason, he becomes the Terminator at this point. <laughs> the T1 1000th. No, the T800, I think is the Yeah, one. Arnold's. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm saying the master is learning how to control the body. He says that later on that it took him time to learn to walk and talk in the body. Yeah, but like Maybe. the costume is what we're like. 
which was a necessity oh, on set. We'll tell you what. Yeah. Oh. Because the contact lenses, they were they were like scratch. They scratched his eye. Wow. And it irritated him. So that's why he has the aviator sunglasses. It made sense story wise though, yeah. so that no one could see that his eyes were green and then sure. snake like. But I'm just saying it doesn't help. <laughs> and his body was deteriorating because that was yeah. gross with the nail, mm-hmm. yeah. which they kind of dropped. They dropped. Like because of his skin and and the latex, the I think. latex he couldn't deal with. They kind of, yeah, he you know they filmed him ripping off his fingernails because his body was going to deteriorate the whole mm, way show. through. They kind of just dropped that. the The leather fireman's jacket that he's wearing is because his real costume turned out to be too small, <laughs> and so okay. it didn't look good. And so they just threw on this weird looking leather. Fireman's. They couldn't find another EMT outfit <laughs> in Vancouver. Yeah, but he looked so much like the Terminator. That's yeah. the problem. It's like, just just on the heels. Very much yeah. the Terminator. But I guess they were going for. But were they? I don't know. How I don't, could you not? I, I mean, it's not like that could be an accident. They didn't as go well. for Christ either. I oh, I don't believe yeah. that. <laughs> Sorry, whoever. <laughs> don't believe you. At her home, Grace examines the doctor, takes a blood sample, as you do. and verifies that he does indeed have two hearts he tells her that the anesthesia almost destroyed his regeneration but he's beginning to remember who he is i actually liked the amnesia storyline yeah me too but i'm glad it didn't last the whole movie Mm -hmm. yes yes because i was worried that it was and i was like oh man is he not gonna know who he is the entire film (laughs) he's just gonna slowly gradually learn to become the doctor again or to become a time lord but I actually did like the amnesia because I was wondering, I was like, why doesn't he remember? That's not what happens when he changes. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, because he was out or whatever. And then. I was, cause, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Like, wh- why this time does he not remember anything? Yeah. But they, they had an exp- explanation. explanation for it. I agree. I liked it. And I think it helps to introduce somebody to this version if our yeah, main character doesn't know what he's doing. And he remembers it with us as we go through the movie. So, as I mean, long as there's a good balance yeah. between the time of him having mm-hmm. amnesia and not. And yeah. this one kind of gets past it really quick. Yes. Which I really like. I think it, I don't know if it's in that exact scene or maybe the other one, but one of the moments when they're in her house, uh, he says, he's telling her that he has 13 lives. Mm. It is this scene. It is this scene? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you, the next time you watch it, if you look at him, you know, he has, the, the Time Lords have 12 regenerations which result in 13 lives. Mm-hmm. Now, because of that, a lot of times people say they have 12 regenerations. And that was actually what was written in the script. So if you watch Paul McGann's mouth, he actually says, I have 12 lives. Somebody discovered it. They mm-hmm. ADR'd over. I have 13 lives. Oh. And now that I've told you that, when you see that scene, you, you will see always yeah. see him say 12 <laughs> instead of 13. And that comes I mean, from the classic, the, the mm-hmm. number of regenerations. Yes. Yeah. It is like watching a Chinese movie and dubbed in English. It is that bad once it you know it. Once to you look know. for it. Once you know, yeah. Well, I missed it because I was looking into his eyes <laughs> <laughs> and his open chest. Because the, the they put the hearts in. So that, <laughs> anyway, that scene made me all gooey. <laughs> so the eye motif did work. He, yeah, I guess this is a good time to bring up because this is where we're getting to know this doctor. Mm-hmm. He is cute <laughs> and romantic. <laughs> When they hired him, he had longer, or yeah, when they hired him, they had longer hair. He had longer hair? Mm -hmm. Um, Because of the roles he was dealing with. Okay. But he had to cut his hair for another role, I think. Yeah. He was playing a military man. Once he actually got hired, he comes in with short hair. 
And it's like, that's not what the look we were going for. So they gave him this wig, which I don't think worked the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it seemed fine, but most of the time it just seemed fake and just threw it off. And he hated the wig himself. So uh-huh. yeah. uh, it didn't bother. I, I could tell once you told me that I could sort of see it, but I think it, because he is such a character, like a, a cartoonish character in general, it didn't bother me because the way that the calyx were in the front of his hair, it it gave it a design where if it was just his hair, I bet you it would have just looked like long hair. I think it would have been fine with his own hair. Just to me, it just screamed fake. It seemed yeah. it didn't work right. I didn't mind the wig. It didn't bother me. <laughs> and I also love this doctor's costume. Yeah, I love this doctor's costume. I think it's perfect for Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's yes, it's Wild Bill Hickok, but it's very, get rid of the hat and get rid of the gun. Get rid of hat. Get rid and of the hat. Get rid Doctor of the Who. gun. It's very Edwardian, British. It it suits him very well. I think it. It, it was a good choice on their part to do that. And it goes with the hair. Yes, it does. Yeah. It very much goes with the hair. <laughs> it is interesting. Because that character does need to have long hair. Yeah. Now, whether it Why is does his he own hair. Why need to have long hair? Just to fit the just time to fit period the look, of the suit. The whole look of yeah. it. Which is interesting. He's in an American West outfit, but it fits for a British, British character. Yeah. yeah, because when you say American West, you really don't think of that. You don't think of a I think of dusters and stuff like that. You think of Wild Yeah, but he's not wearing there. a duster. No, but it's a long coat. Yeah. Yeah, but he's also wearing a very ornate yeah. designed Waist vest. Wait, wait, yeah, mm-hmm. we're Americans. Vest. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, it is Wild Bill Hickok, but, you know, it's not Cowboy. No. I keep getting Hickok point. and Cody mixed up, but I thought it was Hickok who went to Europe. I think it was. To do the Wild West shows. Yes. All around Europe. So he would Buffalo pick up that. Bill Cody was more of a performer here. But I don't think he traveled. It, it is Buffalo Bill Cody that yeah. went to Europe. Cody went to Europe. Oh, yes. Okay. Never mind then. Yeah. But no, yeah, because Wobble Hickok was killed at the card table. Well, we now don't. you know. <laughs> do you know do do. <laughs> Lee goes through the doctor's possessions and finds the sonic screwdriver, a pocket watch, a yo-yo, and a strange-looking key. He returns to the TARDIS and uses the key to enter, where he finds the master already waiting inside. The master convinces Lee that the doctor stole his body and that Lee is going to help him get it back. Right. Now, how does the master even get in there? Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> Page 62 of the script said so. Yeah. Right. <laughs> People have been asking that question for 20 years. Yes. So, yeah, he's just kind of, I, it's kind of, he had a spare key made Whatever. in some adventure long, long, long ago. That, that, that he gave to Bruce to right. carry in his pocket. <laughs> right. Good point. <laughs> All right. Well, just kill that for me. Thank you. I was surprised that that Chinese, uh, what is it, Asian child. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's an American. He even knew that that was a key because I didn't get that. I didn't catch that that was a key. So that key is. That key has a history. Yes, it does. Yeah, but he doesn't know that. No, he doesn't. But I'll tell you this first. <laughs> For the 21 of the 26 seasons of Doctor Who previous to this, the key was used in the TARDIS. That was the key, and it was introduced by John Pertwee. It's a unique... The third Doctor. Yeah, unique-looking key where you kind of swipe and then use it instead of just a regular key going through it. Regular door key that we have. So if that, you notice the lock, it looked like a normal lock, and you had fake. to push it aside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Decoy lock. Yeah. So that's a carryover from the classic. Right. But he wouldn't know that. Yeah. But no. I am glad today it's just a normal I'm very key. glad today it's normal. I like that it's a yeah. normal key. Mm-hmm. You also notice eh. something, if this is the first time you've watched a classic Who episode, you also notice something that you open up the door to the TARDIS, the police box. You walk in, 
and now you're in the interior of the TARDIS, you notice the doors are completely different. Mm-hmm. That's that was always that way in the classic show. Mm. It wasn't until Eccleston's TARDIS that when you opened up a police box door and you walked into the interior, it was still a police box door on the inside as well. Or you know, yeah. So in the classic, did they ever have any like looking from the outside in or inside out mm-hmm. like we do today? Mm. Not oh, so no. much in, not from the outside looking in. Occasionally, you would be inside looking out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not very often though, because they didn't have the money. Right. So you just kind of walked from this futuristic, big, bulky door interior, and you just walked out the TARDIS door. They would just cut. And suddenly, you'd also be in film from videotape. <laughs> Thank you, BBC. <laughs> yeah. BBC filmed exteriors on film and interiors on video. I don't know why. Except for the Spearhead in Space, which was all film. Yes, Yes. Well, back then, I think video cameras were immense. They're new. Yeah. So they you couldn't, move you couldn't them bring them on outside. location. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, um, the yo-yo. That's, yes. That's a reference to the fourth doctor. Mm-hmm. He had a yo-yo. And there's like lots of references made throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the pocket watch. I don't think there was anything significant to the pocket watch before now. Time. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. this aired, you know, like the doctor might have had a pocket watch. But it wasn't a big deal. But, none of but them, now you kind of look at the pocket watch right. and smile. Like, like, well, we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be a good logo for some. Well, some people don't. <laughs> it might. But some people don't know yet the pocket watch. Well, then keep a lookout. Yeah. <laughs> Grace can't understand why the doctor's blood is so strange, and so they decide to go for a walk. Yes, <laughs> just like that. More of the doctor's memories are returning. I thought it was strange that Grace doesn't actually put on her coat. She doesn't put her like arms through the sleeves. Like she just puts oh. it over her shoulder and then holding it the whole time. Is she still in her gown? I can't remember no. at this point. No, no, no. But it's much easier for him to grab it, grab her, and grab, and so she can get away from him. If, and he's left holding her coat. Oh, it's it really was? awkward and just bad staging. But it explains why he can hold her coat at the end while she's running away. I think this is where our this doctor becomes the doctor mm-hmm. because yes. totally. his memories come back and he's he's like running around for no reason. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, explaining things to her in a very fast manner. And then he turns on a dime going, this is great. This is fantastic. This is wonderful. My shoes fit. (laughs) Very Dr. Line. Very, very Dr. Line. Which is the real reason they went for a walk. (laughs) This is also the first time we have a a kiss. Oh, yeah. I did like that. Very controversial. Was it? Very controversial. I like how they just did it, though, without really bringing a ton of attention to Mm -hmm. it before or after. McGann said that when he filmed it, he knew it was going to be controversial. So if you watch him, his lips are really tightly together. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these, we're not doing. Mm-hmm. To make it less romantic. Less yeah. romantic. He tried to make it as small. I'm sure then that was an American still thing. still romantic. It's <laughs> <laughs> still plenty romantic. But what, what were you going to say about the controversy? Uh, they were worried about just, how that was going to. People, they, the guy, the people making this knew that this was going to be a thing. So they, I don't know. More controversial than shooting like the doctor. Has he gotten shot before? Had he got been shot before? No, but they would kind of just go, oh, Americans. Okay. You know, and this was, you were taking, yeah, the doctor does get shot. That is true. So probably that was controversial as well. Also, did we tell them that the BBC actually cut down, edited out a some lot of, of the, the shooting? A lot of the violence. Oh, wow. Yeah, because before it got aired. Because um, particularly because of the gang shooting, there was a um, school massacre that happened in 1996 in 
Dun, I'm not going to say this right, Dunblane. So that was like... Okay. It was a sensitive subject. So they did cut that down. But they also knew that this was a kid's show. It was very much a kid's Saturday. Like for us, it would be like a Saturday morning kid's show. So to have your main character of that, you know... Violently You know, Captain Kangaroo never... (laughs) I don't think it was that the best comparison. No, but... but, Yeah. But I I would give it more towards like a Wonder Woman Mm. or something that we had in the 70s. Mm. That kind of a TV show. Mm -hmm. ISIS. You know, one of those mm-hmm. in the morning yeah, rather so Captain than Marvel Captain and Kangaroo ISIS kissed each other, but more than Captain Kangaroo. I mean, that just like, okay, no, Captain they did Kangaroo have more action. Bad. They did get some of that. <laughs> okay. That's all I was we saying. So That's all I was saying. So. <laughs> well, it's also just more that that character was never seen that way. Yes, before. that's true. Right. It wasn't like a, a Zorro or, you know, some, some romantic swashbuckling character. It was this doctor who was usually played by an old man. Mm-hmm. Inside the TARDIS. The master takes Lee to the cloister room and shows him the Eye of Harmony, the power source of the TARDIS. They need to open the eye so they can locate the doctor, but the master cannot do it because the TARDIS blocks him. He gets Lee to open the eye by having him look into it. Apparently, only human eyes can do this. Because <laughs> when they built it, there were all those humans around. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. As the eye opens in the TARDIS, the doctor's memories come flooding back to him. The doctor is somehow connected to the eye. Oh, and he's also half human. Anyway, oh, yeah. in that moment of joy, so the doctor kisses Grace. <laughs> he also learns of the master's real plan to inhabit the doctor's body. All right. Yeah. What is this half human business? <laughs> so, thank you, because I was kind of falling asleep at that time, and I was just going to be like, oh, I guess it was explained, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, no, I, I was no, like... Sure wasn't. All right. I thought to myself, is this this might be like a piece of Doctor Who lore that I'm just not no. familiar with, and no. we'll talk about it when we record, so now we're talking about it, so... There are two things that could possibly explain why this is still in the script. One... It's introducing a new property to American audiences, so right. to connect them to humans. Uh-huh. The other one is that the original version of this story was that he was going to go and find... The doctor was going to go and find his dad, and his mother was human. So That was the original conceit of the story? Of, of yes. this version of the story. Yeah. So that's probably what just... So yeah. now is that part of like what they call canon now? There's like, a big debate. Yes and no. Yes, but no. It's kind of filed under <laughs> no, <but yes>. com. <laughs> so It's kind of one of those things where we don't talk. We're about just going to ignore it and move on. <laughs> I kind of like to think of it as, you know, in 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 one of the earliest episodes of Star Trek, there's a tombstone with his name on with Kirk's name on it and it's James R. Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of go, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And then you just <laughs> ignore it from then on. So this was, nobody decided to bring this back up. Mm-hmm. So just for Arlene's edification, it's James Tiberius Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be T. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not Riberius. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Scooby-Doo is saying it. Really? <laughs> the eye relays what the doctor is currently seeing, and Lee recognizes Grace as the woman that operated on the doctor. The doctor closes his eyes and the Eye of Harmony breaks connection with him. The doctor follows Grace back to her home. He tells her that they need to close the eye or it will warp reality and destroy the planet by midnight. All right, so did you get to the part where he tells her that he knows about her her childhood dreams? Uh, oh, yeah, that happened earlier. So where does that even come from? That's also new. Like, 
there's some sort of telepathy with this doctor that yeah they just kind of i i wish they hadn't done it so much but where it is the doctor can kind of see what your future is and what your past uh, is because which time i kind of don't i don't necessarily mind no but it's, it's just not, too it's, much it's, yeah. it's not part of the lore the lore hmm. i read that as the doctor in a previous adventure had seen had like encountered that mm-hmm. so like the boy later gareth. Uh, mm-hmm. gareth thank you uh so in a previous adventure the doctor did something like had an adventure with, with the him. older gareth oh. well they also he does say how famous that guy is going to be because of some but or then right. Stuff. right but there was nothing supposedly famous about this woman mm-hmm. and i thought maybe something will come up but it in didn't. a previous adventure yeah. he encountered her as a kid and they had a conversation about her dream for those listening, we'll get to Gareth in just a moment. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't shown up on the show yet. So if you can't see the, fact that they just the episode, but, but also does <laughs> we'll with, get to him in a second. But, but he does it with grace. But yeah, right, but, already at this point. But since they brought up Gareth, I thought, yeah, oh, we'll get to him. The fact yeah. that they just don't even explain it. Like, they could have they could have done something uh, more than... Uh, the, the, more than nothing? More than nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 like, I like your explanation more, but it bothered me because, like... That would have been too much of a coincidence that now he's running into her totally on accident. And then he runs into that guy totally on accident. Right. I bet you anything they've done comic books <laughs> telling those that. stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be cool. I bet you anything. I or if you're it, listening and you do come here. Let us yes. know. Give us these stories. <laughs> <laughs> I took it as just his knowledge of everything was um, immense. Like he mm. knew everybody's... Story. Yeah, know everybody. Of course he can. That's why it didn't make any right. sense. But <laughs> still, was like, okay, I guess that's like, what when, we're doing now. When he started mentioning later on in the movie that he knew different famous people like Sigmund Freud and Madame Curie, is that one? Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, yeah. Like, those are people he probably made a point to go find yeah, out that's about. that's true. Yeah. Not some doctor somewhere before she actually was the one who killed him. It's just a problem when you're trying to reboot a yeah. series and continue it at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure if this did take off and became the new incarnation, Version. then those things would have been explained. Yeah. Well, we don't and know. That's scary because then if it did, we yeah. wouldn't have the doctor that we know now. Know. We wouldn't have the ninth. It's just a problem we have to accept and move forward. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. We got to talk, complain about something. Yeah. It's to prove to Grace that the doctor is telling the truth about like the stuff at midnight, he enters her house through a large pane of glass which bends and reforms as he passes through. She calls for an ambulance, thinking he is crazy. On the television, the newscasters talk about a new atomic clock being unveiled that night at the Institute of Technical Advancement and Research, and the doctor says he needs the beryllium sphere, I mean chip, from the clock (laughs) to fix the TARDIS. What's the beryllium sphere from? Galaxy Quest. (laughs) What does it even do? (laughs) You fail to mention um, that the effect of the eye opening is what's causing the disruption in reality. molecular molecular yeah, reality. Yeah, is, which is why he was able to pass through the glass. That wasn't a superpower. That pesky TARDIS. Yeah, and sorry. she's seen him as an abnormality. There's something that well, he was somehow either genetically changed or was actually born with two hearts, and he's just right. but he's an oddity, mm-hmm. not an alien. An alien, right? Or yeah. And, so yeah. at this point, she's like, "No, you're still you're an insane yeah. person, but you have this oddity to you that." I want mm-hmm. to figure out until he goes through the glass and right. she goes, I may be insane too. But she still cannot believe this at this point. <laughs> Isn't that what she says? We need two ambulances? We, need, we yeah. may need two. Oh, two beds. Two beds. Two beds at the psych ward. I think that was the funniest line in the thing. <laughs> <laughs> the master and Lee arrive in Bruce's ambulance and Grace and the doctor mistake them for the one that she had called. 
The doctor does not recognize the master and tells him to drive to the Institute. En route, the doctor discovers that Bruce is the master, who sprays venom, as you do, on Grace, hitting her in the arm. They escape from the ambulance and steal a police motorcycle to get to the Institute. And once they get to the Institute, they see that the ambulance has already arrived before them. How very American to have a chase. <laughs> yeah. An action scene. Well, this is just such a bad scene. <laughs> what about the scene with the cop? Is that well, chugging that, this whole section. Whole, because, yeah. chase. I mean, they come up to the motorcycle officer and... It's just so strange. He takes the gun for them. They get the his gun. Right. Then gives his gun to her. She shoots the radio. Right. Which is going for the to get the keys for the motorcycle. But the keys are already in the motorcycle. <laughs> and so why take yeah. the keys out and give them to you to just put them back in? Where did that jelly baby come from? <laughs> it's in his pockets of his coat. What? Right. The, but why the, does he? The, the coat that he got from the hospital. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they did bring the doctor in closed. When he got shot and he had the oh. jelly babies then. So maybe but, he found his old clothes as part of it somewhere. Because you'd keep the, you'd keep the artifacts, you know, with... They didn't give him, they didn't give him the, the, Asian, the Asian child took his artifacts. But that was just all the stuff that was in the pockets. The clothes are still there. And they just... They said, wouldn't have put the candy in the pack, in the bag well, with the, the rest of his the artifacts? the orderly, you know, was going to eat them for the yeah, New Year. Because he was eating popcorn. And so stuff. the doctor is wearing half his old clothes and half the new clothes that he found <laughs> I've seen he just found the jelly baby. It's another thing we just have to accept. Okay, look, here we go. Here's the answer. He kept the jelly babies in the same place that Jack kept his gun. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and uh, that's a British thing, right? Jelly yeah. babies? Yeah. Gummy like, bears. Okay. They are different. They, are don't di- think that, they look different. Yeah, don't think that you're having a gummy bear and that's a jelly baby. Gelatin, and they're not as sweet. They're Sylvester McCoy, because he was eating a jelly baby in the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. which his doctor never did either. That was the fourth doctor. Okay. So he said it was good that he didn't have any lines because when you eat jelly babies, you can't talk. <laughs> it sticks to the roof of your mouth. The scene with the traffic jam was supposed to involve a circus truck overturned and more animals were supposed to be on the road. <laughs> but the budget only allowed for chickens. <laughs> and then the line that the master says about, well, there's still a traffic jam. This is an ambulance! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, let me drive around it. Now they enter the Institute, which is holding a New Year's Eve party to celebrate the new atomic clock. They steal the inventor's ID card and secretly make their way to the clock. They take the beryllium chip, but are spotted by the master. The doctor sets off the fire alarm to cover their escape. And you guys notice how, what a close talker that inventor guy was? Yeah. He was just weird. <laughs> but um. I think they did that for the sleight of hand so you couldn't see Paul McGann take the badge. <laughs> Also, they had, this is where Gareth comes into mm-hmm. this. And I just want to say, what American is ever named Gareth? <laughs> there are no Americans named Gareth. I knew no. a Garrett. I know of a Garen. <laughs> the newscasters are trying to explain how everything's going crazy mm-hmm. in the world, you know, and all oh, gravitational fluxes that are every thousand years. That's why it's on the millennium. And he does a very mm-hmm. doctor line there mm-hmm. where he just says, He's just is kind of smiling, going, you know, humans, you're always seeing patterns when they're, that aren't there. 
Mm-hmm. That's such a doctor line. Then, but then he should have said, I only see patterns half the time. <laughs> <laughs> I only see half the pattern. I do really like uh, seeing this doctor have to function without all of the gadgets. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yes. that, I think, is a definite plus for this TV movie. I have that note for later, but yeah, I, I agree yeah, with you. Like, uh, but when he gets a chip out, he can't yes. do it with the Sonic. He yeah. can't just quickly He has to like, undo unscrew it. them manually. And I, I mean, this is the second time that he's done the sleight of hand stealing thing but it right. makes sense for the doctor when he doesn't have all of like the sonics and mm-hmm. the psychic papers and whatever else and the has. use of the tardis even. right so what did he use for on the panel just his strength his his uh thumbnail? because i wonder that how he got out of the morgue i'm like did he just bang down the door mm-hmm. yeah he kicked it down so time Wait, stronger that? i forgot about I know that. Past it, but... and jesus was able to roll the rock away from the tomb right that's more of a christ illusion and if he sees his shadow it's six more weeks of winter <laughs> but also just on the television just happens to be the news report of what he's looking for of course that's you know, another, oh here's the beryllium think... chip you want is in this atomic cloth that's opening just tonight over there right <laughs> I did think that those news reporters were some of the best TV movie news reporters I've ever seen. They actually <laughs> felt really real. They, they were are. real. Oh, they they, well, they were. Yeah, they did they were it. Vancouver. But even, but even sometimes real newscasters don't actually seem real when they're right, in a movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> those Canadians are good. And once he sets off the fire alarm, why did they show somebody cleaning the floor <laughs> in during a huge gala <laughs> during a fire alarm? <laughs> yeah, I wondered that too. I was like, "Who's that guy? Yes. How is he still inside with, uh, with his headphones on?" Just going. <laughs> Plus, also, what was the five slimed guards? Yeah. But they're not. Their skin isn't bubbling. Yeah, yeah. Their skin and it's slime. Just more than acid. Like, why would why would he freeze them and kill them rather than take over their minds like like he did with uh, inconsistent. the doctor? Inconsistent. It just yeah. And w- when did he start spraying venom? How did this that part of the snake come through? That's a trait of I don't know South Gallifreyans. I don't know. <laughs> well, just, some snakes do do that. I understand if it was somehow a snake, but it's supposed to be the master. Well, I didn't see it as the venom. I saw it as that goopy stuff that came out of the... (laughs) Yeah, but he he spewed it like some snakes do. And it hurt her. Well, yeah. But she she wasn't covered in that. How was it going to come out? She had not been slimed. I better not think about that. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't going to come out of the guy's fingers. He's like regurgitated the slime out of his mouth. And was Bruce... (laughs) Was the master upset about the... Uh, fire extinguisher cooler on him. Get it off me! Get it off me! So whiny. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm moving on. Right. They return to the TARDIS to discover that it is dying and almost out of power. The Doctor attaches the beryllium chip, and the eye closes, but they are too late. The eye has been open too long, and the destruction of the planet will still happen at midnight. They plan to jumpstart the TARDIS and send it back a few days so it has time to recharge and stop the altered reality. Grace's arm has begun to change, and she is now possessed by the venom and under the master's control. She knocks out the doctor as Lee and the master arrive. They tie up the doctor, who now regains consciousness. They had the really bad joke when they first got to the TARDIS of some motorcycle cop, for some reason, not (laughs) having brakes, (laughs) heading towards the TARDIS. Yeah, doesn't he yell, I I don't have my brakes! Going through the TARDIS. You know, it's, it's a whole Herbie the love bug kind of mm-hmm. moment. <laughs> Somehow turn around and then comes back out and just keeps going down the street. <laughs> I liked that. That was funny. I thought that was, it like, made no that sense. was the moment for kids. 
True, but it, it makes fit. no sense. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. fit in anything. Who is this guy? It's not the same motorcycle that they shot up. Because right. no. they yeah. have that motorcycle. Yeah. It's comedy where this is supposed to be a serious yeah. point. We're getting to the third. Throws it all act, off. Yeah. You know. It's, uh, it's <laughs> probably. It just, kinda, just throws you probably, out. It's like, this is just ludicrous. It's probably a gag that some producer wanted in there from the very beginning. And that's where they ended up having to put it. Yeah. But um, it, also look at Paul McGann while it's happening. He's, his acting is really good. He's just got this look on his face like, yep. Yep. It was <laughs> fun. It's a funny little bit, but it's, yeah, it's. It is. And it's, I've liked it in other movies. This point, I agree it's, with it's you. not it consistent. It's in inside yeah. its own yeah. world. I liked it. Of what the doctor <laughs> did. I liked it. Also, when they go running in, you can hear the cloister bell going. Um, so there is, next time you watch it, if you, you watch can it. hear a bell going on in the background. And that's the cloister bell, is what it's called. It that? had been used before, and we will hear it a lot going forward. What is the function of the cloister An alarm. Bell? Oh, when the for... cloister, when the cloister bell goes off inside the TARDIS, something's wrong. Very badly wrong. Very, very, very mm. badly wrong. So, and it's the same sound. And this the TARDIS was different. dying. It's like this is. It's, oh, yeah. okay. Trying to get. It wasn't tempted. that it was the motorcyclist. No. It was like a. <laughs> no, was it supposed no, to be no. in there? No, it's it that the like TARDIS a, is dying. Uh, was that burglar alarm or something? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Grace has knocked out the doctor, and now the doctor regains his consciousness. The master blames the doctor for the fact that he has no more regenerations and is happy to steal the doctor's remaining ones. Lee realizes that the master has lied to him and refuses to help. The master then snaps Lee's neck and goes over to Grace. Her eyes have now changed due to the venom and will not open the eye of harmony. The master sucks out all the venom of her so she is herself again and forces her to open the eye again. Again. Again? <laughs> Oh, does the master come back down at the beginning of this scene in Gallifreyan robes? Yeah. Yes, those are Gallifreyan robes. Oh, they're Gallifreyan they robes. They are fabulous. They're actually really cool. I like I right. wish he would. I wish he didn't play it the way he plays it. Yeah. Because they're really, you know. they're, that's yeah, Gallifrey. The only thing missing is the high collar. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. awesome. But the, the choice he made, or yeah. they made doesn't work. <laughs> It's I too much, it. and it's also awkward because I like him as the master. I don't, but you're going from you're going from the Terminator to like Liberace. Liberace. Yeah, he became more Gallifreyan. He's like now in his robes, and he's like, yes, now I can be me and no longer Bruce. I am the master, and I don't know. I thought. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Like he, he gave me shivers as the master. I'm like, oh, the master is back. He's evil. He's horrible. Like. What did, what did he say? Elvis dreads for the occasion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I found that to be a little, especially coming off the fact that you've been basically Arnold Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. up why, until this point. This and then all change? of a sudden you yeah. switch, which I didn't mind him switching into the Gallifreyan robes. Oh. And also he doesn't continue it. Okay. You know, right. he's, 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 he tries to be, you know, that gets dropped off and he's just, you know, I'm menacing Yeah. in that Eric Roberts way. Yeah. I but, read it as he was happy to be back in Gallifreyan. I clothing. like that. I actually like. Thank you. I will yeah. use that <laughs> next time. Next the time, next time I'm watching this. Watch mm. yeah. If you notice, half the time there are um, dead leaves all over the cloister yeah, room. I did Where are those that. coming from, and why? Is the, there a is there a forest in the TARDIS? I mean, there could be, but <laughs> those leaves were deadly. They, I think, they cut Eric Roberts' eye or something like. Oh yeah, when they were yeah. swirling around, yeah. they scratched. Oh, really? He had trouble eye. on this. There was a oh, lot. Oh, you of, mean not in, in real life? In real life? Yeah, oh, in real yeah. life. Yeah, no, those uh, were real leaves. But it was yeah. like, where? Why? I don't. You know, 
It's well, I, I like the medieval again, the gothic, mm. very the bats. Yes, the bats. The bats. Yeah, the bats. Yeah. Where do they come from? I and I'm just the whole even from the beginning between the candles and the torches and all yeah. that stuff. I was just like. It's gonna fall. It's gonna fall. It's gonna burn something down. Well, and also it's dangerous. Who, who lit all those candles? Right. Well, the way I the way I kind of took, made a geek logic in my head was they're actually lights that just look like fire. That's yeah. the TARDIS decorating. Exactly. He can flip a switch and yes. the candles go out. Yeah. Right. So, but the leaves always just kind of like it's just one of those random things. Like you know, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, I, it's time for it. My my Star Trek reference where it's like. Something blows up and all of a sudden these rocks land on the bridge. Yeah. And you're like, where are the rocks in the bulkhead? So I, you know. It's but a, re- the thing it's is just, it's a it's replicator just, gone wrong. <laughs> it's just, you know, detritus. But then the leaves are gone during certain cuts yes. and scenes. So that's yeah. even more distracting. Yeah. Because Eric afterwards said, I am not, not working until the leaves go away. I, I don't I made that up. Don't work. Sure. Don't work with kids, animals, or leaves. Yeah. <laughs> And then all oh. the pets are like, "We're back in." <laughs> <laughs> and when they bring the when they bring uh, the doctor into the cloister room, it's nice to know the TARDIS has a gurney. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like the TARDIS has everything, including hospital equipment. No, he got that from the ambulance. Oh, they yeah. drove the ambulance there. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm making you appreciate this so much more. <laughs> this is also McGann's greatest scene. This is where he is the doctor to me when he's yelling. I mean, he yells really well. He's not screaming. He just. And this is also the the next Christ imagery with the crown of thorns. Is this when he's tied up or, or not tied up when he's in the machine? Yes. Mm-hmm. When he's in the machine, he can't close his eyes. He looks like Gene and Wilder. He's yelling, mm-hmm. at, he's yelling at Lee going, listen, he lied to you. He lied to you. That That's actually kind of my favorite mm-hmm. eighth Good. doctor moment is when he's, he's lying to you. Very, very doctor to me. I did feel that Lee got convinced quite easily. Though. Yeah, I have that <laughs> same he's, note. He's become this bad guy. He's a villain in the whole episode. And you're well, like, huh, oh, you got a good point there, guy. All I had to do was yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't he a gang member at the beginning? Yeah. Like, yeah, shooting, shooting up at, at the rival other gang. gangs? Yeah. yeah, he's always been kind of a, a bad guy. Like, yeah. I didn't understand why he was helping the yeah. doctor in the beginning. Oh, I, th- throughout the whole movie, I was like, I don't think he's completely on the side of the master. Like, I think he's just going along. He just wanted money. Well, you wanted money. He didn't want to be killed by the master. And so I was... And I think he did think believe he, the master that... I think he believed the, as the well. Guy's a bad I don't guy. think he was, like, playing the master. No, for sure. I believe but that. But I think that there was always room for doubt in mm-hmm. his character's mind he the, wasn't com- he wasn't right. like completely a henchman of this guy there was also some hypnosis if you recognize oh, it in right. the beginning oh yeah to give because he just goes walks the, over and then he puts on the sunglasses and he shakes it off so there could be quite of that too yeah i thought that was a plot point that they kind of dropped mm-hmm. that the eyes have some he was power. actually under his control mm-hmm. a little bit but they never come back to it no but i think he's realizing how important everything is like this could be the end the if the doctor's mm-hmm. what the doctor said was right. This is the end of the planet. Mm-hmm. This is everything. And when the master says it himself that he lied, yeah, then it's like okay, wait a minute, back up. I'm out of this. This is getting too much. Yeah, yeah. And then his gets his neck snapped, and that was sad. <laughs> yeah, I was I wasn't ready for that. Actually, I was it, like, it, the third act is very like, weird. Oh, okay. 
That was a very, I don't know if it was 80s or 90s, but the whole neck snapping, I remember it used to be much more. It started with Steven Seagal and then he just, everybody started doing that. It was always like, I think my my brother and I would play and that would be definitely a part of- serious? Definitely. (gasps) Yes. We would snap each other's necks a lot. I've I've done it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not in real life. (laughs) I wasn't allowed to watch much television in the 80s and the 90s, so I missed all this neck snapping. Yeah. During the regeneration transfer, neither the doctor nor the master can move. Grace rushes back to the TARDIS console to to complete what the doctor started. She is successful, and the TARDIS reaches temporal orbit, which begins reversing the regeneration transfer. She rushes back to the cloister room to free the doctor. The master is freed since the transfer has stopped and pulls her away from the doctor, throwing Grace off of the balcony, which kills her. The doctor finishes freeing himself and goes to Grace. The master tries to throw the doctor into the eye, but falls in himself. The doctor reaches for him, but cannot save the master. I like that the doctor wants to help his enemy. That's very doctor-like. Yeah, he had to, he had to try and save the Yeah, doctor. he reaches out trying to help the master. I think that's... Now, he doesn't reach into the eye. No, he doesn't just he's not stand stupid. There well, he's <laughs> <laughs> but it shows that Paul McGann is the doctor, you know? Always giving yes. chances. Yeah. I did like that they cut back and forth and used the countdown to midnight as a countdown yes. for mm-hmm. the eye. Mm-hmm. No, I did uh, like it. it worked, the whole idea of that works good. I was just saying earlier that they don't have an explanation for sure. yeah, right. the connection. Agreed. And I wish they did, but mm-hmm. using it, I think that yeah. was a nice bit. Yeah. The TARDIS uses the energy from the eye to alter reality and bring Grace and Lee back to life before it closes the eye of harmony. The Doctor drops Lee and Grace off just after New Year's Eve 1999-2000 and asks Grace to come with him. She declines, and they say goodbye. And then when she tried to go to the uh, ATM the next day, since the, all, everything <laughs> turned to zero, she couldn't get her money, and all the banks went into hysteria. <laughs> and then there was Brexit. I mean, wait, what? <laughs> but this is the ending I don't like... Which is why I didn't like the ending of the original Superman movie mm. of just going back, turning back time and saving the people who had just died. It's just and then somehow the TARDIS just, oh, now we just, oh, yeah. you know, fix them, fix their necks, bring them back to life. And then Cheng Li, oh, hi, doctor. <laughs> I have your stuff. When all before this, it's not yours anymore. It's mine. <laughs> it's all mine, mine, mine. <laughs> so it was the TARDIS. It was like the TARDIS. Oh, who knows? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the golden light. Yeah, that yeah, golden sparkly open. light has come mm-hmm. back in the <laughs> 2005 the series. The glittering of the <laughs> <laughs> Supreme Commander. We never talked about earlier, like the transformation effects either, how different they are, were from, I don't know what they you were mean, like. The regeneration? Oh, I'm sorry, the regeneration <laughs> effects. Oh, the regen- um, yeah, they had Sylvester McCoy pull those faces mm-hmm. because Sylvester McCoy is really literally a clown mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. he he's very much that he plays spoons and mm-hmm. does all clownish kind of things so he can really pull faces mm-hmm. like was that. that reminiscent of how they did it in the classic the second doctor each doctor has transitioned differently Different. yeah. In yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah original but you see the second doctor who was also kind of clownish he's mm-hmm. pulling faces when he regenerates mm-hmm. um also along the regeneration line at the end we see um the our uh, eighth doctor go back to reading the same book mm-hmm. as a seventh doctor. Time machine. <laughs> yeah. And then listening to the same music, 
But in our reboots of the Doctor Who series, hasn't each Doctor had like a completely different personality and liked different things, had different styles? Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering about that. Like, oh, so they're like, they're the same. They're but just not completely. Different. I mean, they do have new personalities and new likes, dislikes and interests, but maybe not everything. Okay. You know, like, oh, this is the book I was reading. And he also probably doesn't know yet. He might be. Maybe re- he has to reread it. Yeah, yeah maybe uh, <laughs> maybe two pages in, he'd be like, "This is boring," okay. and he puts the book away. And maybe this doctor doesn't like books that much, you know. Yeah. So he's still he's figuring in that, it out. He's figuring it out. And I just took it that that book ends for a new viewer, like, "Oh, this is where we started. This is where we end." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the same guy, even though his physical appearance is different. It was just something that yeah. bothered me a little bit. I was like, oh, but I do like that. that he's working on the TARDIS. And then, yeah, he fixes it. If you notice that the the whoosh is not the same, and then he fixes it. I like that. Mm-hmm. And also the point where he the console, the things are moving up and down, and they stop, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "What?" And then he just hits it, and I'm like to me that that's like the show. That's what the next you know, it's going to be the show continuing because that's kind of what that it was is. just too much of the fonts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at that point. Yeah, <laughs> I also did love the viewer in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a fun yeah, touch. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Is that, that was new really cool. for yes. the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we never see it again. Because of money. The, yeah. Because of money, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the old TARDISes just had TV screens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I a bunch that. of TV screens. Um, one thing I was thinking of, and I just thought of this as we were watching it now for the first time. You know how in the beginning we were saying, this is very undalek-like. The Dalek are not going to hold a trial. The Dalek are not going to just hold a trial before they execute somebody and then have the doctor take, take the remains away for interment on Gallifrey, fulfill right? Fulfill the last wish of the mm-hmm. prison. Yeah, the Daleks would never allow that. But now I'm kind of, I just kind of hit me this time going, I wonder if the Daleks planned this. Like, they didn't kill the master all the way. They're in cahoots with the master? Maybe not even in cahoots, but it's just kind of like, well, maybe in cahoots, but it's like, well, this would be our way to actually get to Gallifrey or get to uh, the Doctor and Gallifrey. We'll make the Doctor and the Gallifrey and the Time Lords think that the Master's dead when he's really not. Mm-hmm. And then he can go and really mess up and create havoc their own way. Because I hate the fact that it's Daleks in the beginning. It mm-hmm. makes no sense no. whatsoever. So it's just kind of like, okay, I'll rationalize it any way I can. And I just kind of thought that now. It's not something that I, I think it's a good rationalization, but there ain't no way they thought of that. No. Whoever wrote this. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, interesting fact. This television movie won the 1996 Saturn Award for Best Television Presentation. You really right. want to know what it was up against. Yeah, really, what was it up against? <laughs> for this, this actually, it was in the category of single genre television presentation so not series mm-hmm. so it was just like tv movie mm-hmm. so it was doctor who it was up against uh alien nation the enemy within one of the movies of the week of alien nation mm-hmm. um something called the beast uh the canterbury ghost gulliver's beast um a gulliver's travels and the lottery <laughs> final thoughts final thoughts um did i like it did i did i not like it would I have liked this if it had been seven years of no Doctor Who between my beloved yeah. uh, television show just getting completely canceled mm-hmm. uh, out of the blue, as you guys were saying, and then seven years later we had this movie. Um, would it have fulfilled, you know, would it have like been like, yeah, it's Doctor Who's back. And 
Um, I don't know because it was uh, wasn't as deep, I think, as you know. There was there was a lot of stuff missing. There were a lot of holes, a lot of, you know, discontinuity with storylines and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's it's lacking, but it was it was entertaining for no watching it today not not needing a a doctor who movie like i don't need a doctor who movie today um but yeah it was it was it was fun i i enjoyed it just as like a viewing and well i mean it did it did get nine million viewers in the uk so those are but it didn't kick off a oh no No. you know it didn't do what they were hoping it would do Mm -hmm. but but the nice thing though is that it is considered canon Except for that half human thing. We just ignore that. Okay. Yeah. That was going to be the next thing. Like, this is still considered canon. It is considered canon. It was good enough to. Because, yes, it was good enough to be, it fits in now where Paul McGann is considered a doctor. It's it's not like the Peter Cushing movies where there are two Peter Cushing movies that were done in the 60s. It's not, those aren't considered canon because they're way too different. Mm. So, this actually may not be the best story. It didn't kick off a, a new TV show, but. You've got Sylvester McCoy regenerating into Paul McGann. Um, that was my note. And then, um, you know, it they've fit this into the continuity, and I think it fits really well. I think in um, in 1996, with, uh, we would have liked it more than we do now when we have it to compare mm-hmm. to the new series. Because a lot of the things that are really bad, well, the things that were really bad would see, still seem really bad, but a lot of the things that we don't like because that's not the way the shows are, we would have just like, oh, all right, whatever. Uh, we kind of accepted the new one. The, is there a story out there of Paul McGant transitioning into yes. the Ninth Doctor? We will okay. get there. Awesome. <laughs> in the in the timeline, we won't jump ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, just going back to um, like the same kind of feelings. Uh, like I, I, the example in my life is probably the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up on Star Wars um and then all of a sudden there's new star wars and i remember you know watching it and just being like whoa there's new star wars this is so great and it's not till you know rewatching and like time has passed that i real i started to realize like well what is it great like what's, what's up with that what's up with this like i'm sure there was a, some similar sentiment for for this at the time i mean i the internet wasn't around the way it is today mm-hmm. so i'm sure you don't have like critical reviews uh, in your your research but it's probably like at the time yes new doctor who wow but then as soon as that kind of glow mm-hmm. subsided and you got the time to actually think about what just happened it probably <laughs> lessened over what time what just happened it took us about a week to realize the phantom menace wasn't any i was in high school and it, it was oh, pretty cool shut up it was pretty cool <laughs> i was in high school as well i didn't like it that much when it first came out which the this, phantom menace or this both this. <laughs> did you see this when it aired yes i remember seeing it and then we watched it again and it's like oh and it wasn't that bad. And then watching it for this mm-hmm. and actually having to have the idea of, okay, we're going to review it and watch it. Mm-hmm. It just fell yeah. apart for me yeah. for a lot of the things. You could just see that there are so many people that 
the writer was trying to appease and yeah. trying to add into. And no, we need to have this because we're on an American show. No, yeah. we need to have this because we're the BBC and we need to have it part of the doctor. And we need to have it yeah. for this and for this. And it just seemed that they wanted a tall, short man who was balding with flowing hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's like it didn't gel. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't dislike the master as much as some of you guys did. It was the weakest mm-hmm. part yeah. of this movie. Like just the whole inconsistency of like the slug to the snake to the venom. to the, Those were the parts mm. where I was like, what is going on? And then the whole eye and the fight scene at the end was not like, yeah, it didn't. And I think it took too long to get to the doctor. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. I needed more doctor. Like I, mean, there was... I like the seventh doctor. And even but when... he was shot so quickly and didn't really get to go anywhere. And then this mm-hmm. took too long to actually find himself. And then when he was the, the story was going at such a pace, you right. never had time to sit with him. Right. Um but what you were saying before about it being uh, you know, the type of television show, there was a lot of T V like that back then. So I think we just sort not necessarily battling like British television with American television, right. but just that the American style of television that was being shoved into this production, there was a lot of that going on where you just sort of accept it as TV cheesiness, mm-hmm. which is why back then people kind of looked down upon TV, whereas nowadays TV starting to become but looked very highly upon. But they also had some really good shows. Even it was in new, the 80s. but it was still new. Yeah, but they were few and far between. Well, there's you know Beauty and the Beast TV show was great yeah, as but that, and there was V, which was great. Then they uh, got the series. The series, not the series. The series was bad because they aired it way too late after everything was already solved, and they had to redo it. You know, but the first V movie, yeah, you know, yeah. that was back in the '83, and so they had some good stuff, and then we did some great things with. Well, just to give you, just to show what was on at the time as television series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best network TV series nominations were The X Files, Dark Skies. Wow, oh, Dark I remember Skies that. Good. Yeah, I like that. that. Uh, early Edition. Oh, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I watched that. Millennium, <laughs> which was a downer. Oh, I liked Millennium. It was a downer. Uh, That's why I liked it. Sliders. <laughs> yeah, but what part popular. of Sliders? Exactly. What year? <laughs> I, I like the first half of Sliders. Yeah, um, and the then also The Simpsons. Anyway, then also they had a. Best genre syndicated TV series. So not network, but syndicated. And that was The Outer Limits, The New Adventures of Robin Hood, mm. Babylon 5. Ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. But looks, that's where the story overcomes its cheesy mm-hmm. look. Yeah. So it's a really great story on yeah. a shoestring budget. Highlander. Mm, that that. Was, that was not for a while. It depends on which season. Yes, yeah. also. Mm. Yes. Uh, Poltergeist The Legacy. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And Deep Space Nine. Oh. So there was some really good television yeah. on. Well, I guess my point of view is more of just, it had a lot of older TV tropes from the late 80s and stuff like that. And as a standalone, it wasn't, yeah. like I said, as bad. It was only yeah. trying but to it was, dissect it and all these just inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was too bad. Yeah, when you see, peel the layers of the onion. It smells. I, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I, I wanted to mention one, two things. The Eighth Doctor is the only incarnation of the character to never encounter the Daleks on screen. Mm. He has battled them in audio dramas, but just not on screen. The DVD is now available, so you can get this thing. And it's also on the Doctor's Revisited set. The movie is on there just as the movie, but if you get the TV movie, it has all these supplemental materials, and 
commentaries and there's just a lot in there like the the main documentary or featurette is really good and it shows the journey of what Siegel went through to make is this it thing. a retrospective or was it made back then when they made it it's a retrospective so so they got these people and you can see like they show pictures of and footage of what they look like then and what they look mm. like now and it's like wow they actually agreed to do this <laughs> you know what i mean it's like wow they're still around and one thing um mccoy said Sylvester McCoy said that when he broke one of the switches on the TARDIS console, he said, I feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up Doctor Who, the movie. This has been an episode of Who Classic, and we will see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. You can find his work at theuniverseexplodes.com. You can find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Who Knew Podcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who, the longest-running sci-fi show in history, and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all of those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. 